0: Start a new chapter today, Chapter 23, dealing with a civil magistrate. Now, in our conversation, I'm not going to get into a lot of conversation or discussion about church and state. With this chapter, we're dealing with the state. There are two more chapters that we'll get to eventually that deal with the church, the church government. Right? So uh, don't don't anticipate. A lot of, if I did comparisons, I wouldn't do it probably until we also consider. Uh, there there will be some interaction. There has to be. But I just want to kind of let you know that chapters 30 and 31 will deal with church government. Right now, we are dealing with the civil magistrate. I'm on page 610. Paragraph let's read it together, God, the Supreme Lord and King of all the world. Now, let this get a picture in your mind, all right? God is the king of all the world, all right? What you think of normally with a king. A king reigns in his domain. He is the supreme ruler in his domain, generally speaking. God rules as king over all the world. And has ordained God, the supreme lord and king of all the world, hath ordained civil magistrates to be under him. God, civil magistrates. right, this picture. God, civil magistrates, to be under him. Over the people, so the civil magistrates are here, the people are here. All right? God, civil magistrates, people. So kind of get that that picture in your mind. Under him, over the people, for his own glory in the public good. Now, I'm going to read it again without stopping and commenting. Because in this day and age this statement and is based on God's word and we'll look at some of that is is extremely important for us to remember and to understand All right and we're going to talk about it some as we go along but if we don't get this set it's just like when you have difficulties and trials and problems and Things that you just couldn't imagine you would ever have to face. What do, you, what do you go back to? You go back to the truth of what you know about God and what you know about God as it relates to you, i.e., God sent His Son to die for your sin, God loves you, God is sovereign. God has said he's working all things to our good, and he doesn't lie. So knowing those things, when I've got this terrible situation that I'm going through, I know God's sovereign and he has it under control. I just, when I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's so dark I can't see my finger right there. I know God knows what's going on, and God is working it for my good. I've just got to trust him, right? Well, all right, we look at the situation, we look at governments, our own and others, and say, what's going on? Why are things in the mess therein. God. The supreme Lord and king of all the world. Hath ordained civil magistrates. To be under him. Over the people. For his own glory. And the public good. And. To this end. Hath armed them with the power of the sword. For the defense and encouragement of them that are good. And for the punishment Of evildoers. And you see right there in the proof text under that paragraph, Romans 13, verse 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, the civil magistrates. All right? For there is no civil magistrate but of God. The people that are in office, God put there. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. We've talked about the decrees of God, and the decrees of God are worked out in his providence, works of creation and providence. Why? Well, we'll talk about that as we go along a little bit. You see it down in the proof text for the next paragraph there in in uh, Proverbs 8:15 by me kings reign and princes decree justice by me princes rule and nobles even all even all the judges of the earth every ruler reigns because God has permitted them to reign when he wants them to stop raining, he can remove them any number of ways. Okay? Now, doesn't mean we've got to be happy about everything they're doing. But we do have to respect them as who God has put in office for the moment. My first question on page 611... Who or what are civil magistrates because obviously if we 're going to talk about civil magistrates uh, we, we need to make sure we're all on the same page with that if, if you're from around here if you think the magistrate the magistrate um, is one of the judges in in the they're the they're the the common people's judge the the one you can go you don 't have to have an attorney they a lot of them aren't don't have legal background, Uh, it's just kind of what's fair. The magistrates. Well, we're not talking about the civil magistrates, the the magistrates as being those magistrates as being the civil magistrates that we're dealing with. They are part of the sword. They're part of the sword but they're not the civil magistrates. Civil magistrates are those who are in authority to deal with The uh, the temporal matters of life, Uh, the the, the magistrates, the civil magistrates are those. It relates to community as opposed to the ecclesiastical matters, the church, as opposed to military matters, right? Um, Times of war, it's not Congress that tells the soldiers what to do, okay? It's not the president that tells the soldiers what to do based on whatever. The president may have certain powers, but it's the generals out there that work with the soldiers that know what to do in fighting. But civil magistrates, basically the government um, that it exists that rules over people. If you look at Deuteronomy 12.8, just by way of Just a couple of quick references here. Deuteronomy twelve eight. You shall not do after all the things that we do here this day. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. Now, Deuteronomy is where they're reviewing the law and, and, and practical aspects of it. So we, we see from this, it's not God doesn't intend... every man to do that which is right in his own eyes right and then if you look at Judges 17 verse 6 in those days there was no king in Israel the absence of government if I put it that way there was no king in Israel and what do we have but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You got the same thing over in Judges 21, verse 25, right at the end. Same verse, basically, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So, absence of government, you've got everybody doing what they think's right. They're self-governed, right? And, of course... We know the the worst example of that and what happened as a result of the worst example of that was in Noah's day, right? Um, no government and every man was doing what they thought and you couple that with the sinful nature of man and what do you expect to get? Well, everybody's doing their own way of sinning, right? And... We, we understand then it just ferments the sin and the heart and the mind and God's looked at it and that's all there was Every, everybody's thoughts and actions were just evil continually and God's destroyed mankind by the flood with the exception of Noah and his family So civil government, civil government, civil magistrates, civil government. And question two, why are we, on page 611, why are we to be subject to the higher powers? Well, as we've already seen, they were ordained, they were put in place by God, right? He's established them under him to accomplish what he needs to accomplish. Now, take a look at Genesis because government has been with us from creation. God created everything with government. All right? If you look at Genesis 1.28... And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, you say, well, it's rather a crude form of government, but God created every living thing with man as its governor, as its president, as its ruler. However you want to term it, you've got a governing in creation, from creation and in creation. And then if you look at Genesis 3:16, now we're very familiar with 3:15, but 3:16, unto the woman he said, "I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception." In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So here we see in the home a type of government, right? And of course, we, we use that word rule, and we know and understand that word, especially in light of what we read in the New Testament as to what that looks like, ruling in love and respect. Right? But there is a ruling. Because if there's not, you're left to every man doing that which is right in their own eyes. Right? You have a home where the husband says, I'm going to do this because I think this is right, and the wife says, I'm going to do this because I think this is right. You're going to have chaos. And then you have children and then the children are confused and you got problems because there's no agreement at times. So God, and we see this is a result of sin, and sin magnified the need for government. Because now the heart's inclined to do the wrong thing. In creation, even when the heart was inclined to do what was right... Before God, God still had man ruling over creation. Right? So don't don't look at government as something somewhere that that developed during history. God, God put it in place right at the beginning. Because it was needed. And then with sin, it certainly became even more important. Right? If you look at Ephesians, just to kind of finish this part up, Ephesians 5, and, and you see in, in the New Testament the equivalent of what we've just looked at in Genesis. If I can get out of Galatians here. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23, wives, wives, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. So there's your New Testament equivalent of what we just read in Genesis. And why? All right. If we... And, and, and you, you look at all these things, the God established judge or, or, or government as to creation, then there's government in the home, there's government in the community, there's government in the church. We'll see that. There's government in every sphere of life. And we need to understand and appreciate the fact that, number one, God's given it. He's given it for our good. There is a reason for it for the, to exist. And it's for our good and his glory. That's what scripture teaches. Now, again, we see a lot of governments that aren't in our minds for the good of Christians and certainly don't appear to be for the glory of God. So what's going on? Well, we'll get to that. But that's, you know, where we are. And that's the conflict, right? That's the conflict that goes on in our head and our heart right now. Because we, we see this truth that they're ordained of God. He's put them in the position they're in, but they're not doing what we think they ought to be doing. And what's, what's wrong? Why? Well, we come back to, to understand, that's why I'm, I'm taking time at the very beginning here. Get it set in your head that government is ordained by God, God is in control. There are no rogue rulers out there, out from under God's supreme governance. Fearful thing to be in an elected position, especially think of our congressman, our president, think of our governor, our state legislators, because every one of them will first answer to the king as to how they ruled. If they're ignorant of their job under him, it will be to their damnation. It's a fearful thing. It's why I think one of the big reasons we are encouraged to pray for them. To pray for those that know the Lord, that they will have wisdom and backbone. Pray for those that don't know the Lord because they are going to face a terrible judgment of their soul. But part of the damnation that will fall upon them is their failure to understand that they rule under God. They are accountable to him. They rule by his rules. What does that mean? It means they need to know the word of God. It means they need to make sure how they rule is in keeping with God's word. And the same is true in the church. We'll get to that eventually. But keep these people before the Lord for your own good. Because if they're wicked people, you know, God, I don't understand why... They are ruling in wickedness. Why they are condoning wickedness, especially in doing so, they're persecuting the church or the Christian individual. Charlie? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you see in that, what do we know about Pharaoh? Pharaoh did what? Hardened his heart, didn't he? Boom, boom, boom. What did it cost Pharaoh? What did it cost his people? He had the firstborn being killed because Pharaoh hardened his heart. The government, the chief ruler hardened his heart And God wiped out the firstborn of all his people. God plundered his kingdom. God destroyed his army. Because he hardened his heart. Yeah. So, and and again, we see that over and over. We see it over and over in Scripture. And, and we see things today. You know, I, I, I read, especially the Old Testament, and you've you got this wicked king, and all of a sudden his own family, somebody wipes out the entire family so they can be the king. You know? I mean, you, you see it over and over and how God brings judgment On the wicked ruler, you say, yeah, like people killing others that are innocent in one sense. Again, it's fearful. It's fearful. Whether it's civil government or ecclesiastical government, the results that can come from wrong leadership, wrong decisions, we, we We've got no clue i would almost I'd almost guarantee you that well wouldn't guarantee it but uh, you, uh, you you stop and think what you see and know what you've read anyway about what happens, just like Charlie was mentioning why would you ever desire? to have an office. Because, you know, bottom line is it's on you. And don't excuse the people under you for their wrongdoing. You know, you can't control their wrongdoing, but to the extent you can control the actions you should take as the leader. And you fail to do so. It's on your head. So, Jack? So what's the answer to
1: your question? Why would you use our office? And does that extend to the church, too? Would
0: anybody want to be an elder knowing that they're going to be held accountable? My answer to that is, God, the Supreme Lord and King of all the world, hath ordained civil magistrates. If God ordained it, I should be willing to be one of those civil magistrates to be used of him.
1: So it comes down to whether you hear from God correctly. Mm -hmm.
0: As everything he liked us, our view of God, our appreciation for what he said, you know, governs it. Jordan? And does does scripture talk about that? And what does it say? You got it. You don't put a novice in leadership. Now, it's up to the people. But God has told you. I mean, you would hope that the novice who might be nominated for the office would say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm a novice. I was struck. Remember what Solomon said when the Lord appeared to him, the dream, and said, you know, ask of me what you want. Remember what Solomon said? I am but a child. I don't know how to go in or go out, much less rule. This was Solomon. Right? I don't know. I am but a child. You know, that's the way in many respects, we all should be for the entirety of our life. Because what did Solomon do as a result of his opinion of himself? God, I don't have a clue what to ask for. I don't even know how to. How do I? I don't know. You know. What's best for me? Whatever you give me is what I want. Well, if we approached everything in life that way, now, the Lord's given us his word. He doesn't expect us to ask for a revelation or him to make all the decisions when he's given us the word of God and the Holy Spirit to help us understand it. Right? But when we make sure that, wait wait a minute, I need to see what God said about this. If I don't know, I need to back up and just search the scriptures to see if it's been addressed, directly or indirectly. And then, try to make my decision. Ordained of God, We, we noticed, and, and I pointed out as we read the paragraph, all of them are under God. They're accountable to him to carry out his directive. And they are over the people, over a people, maybe a small group of people, maybe a large group of people, right, over and under. There's always a subservient part to government, Always. Which commandment were we talking about predominantly? Fifth commandment. Fifth commandment, relationships, subservient, obligations of the ruler, the superior is the, the, the catechism describes them, and obligations of the inferior, as the catechism uses that term, and obligation of the equals within the group under the government. Because there's always that interaction among that group, and they're not free every man to do that which is right. Because it's the job of the next tier up to help understand what the problems are and to make the rules to help try to um, solve the problems if they come when they come up, or to prevent. The problems from ever happening. You stop and think about government. That's one of its chief ends. How do we take care of things? We've got to do some thinking. we got to do some planning. Because if we don't, we're going to have a mess. You know, we need roads not all going every which way. It would be nice if people aren't coming to a ten way intersection um, you know and trying to figure out who's got the right of way so we establish a rule okay so y'all come to a four way stop and everybody there's four cars sitting there what's the rule we got to know the rule otherwise everybody starts going at once and now we got four cars still sitting <laughs> in the intersection uh, right next to each other in way too close proximity so we have to have the rules now the structures when God created government he didn't specify how that government what it was going to look like okay in israel the type of government they had early on before they said we want a king we would call a what theocracy. a theocracy God is the supreme ruler. Now, for us, we know God's the supreme ruler of everything. But in these governments that he's ordained, right, then you have England would be under a, what would we call that? A one rule, one ruler. Is a, a Well, a, a, monopoly, a, a monopoly. Mon- monarchy. A Monarchy. Monarchy, thank you. Uh, monarchy. So, and again, there are variations of these things. But you've got one at the top. All right? And then you've got what we are. We call our country a what? In America. <laughs> we, the type of government that we have. We're a republic. We're a republic now. A republic. Well, the, the other term that gets used a lot of times for our form of government is called a a democracy. A democracy is a majority rule. Okay, a majority rule. So, if arguably, if the United States was the simply the country of america with no states then we and if we voted then it's going to be a democracy but your republic is where a group of sub states have formed a type of government to to be fair and equal to each of those states even though they may not be equal in size in population in economy, in power, whatever. I mean, it's... it's, it's mar- when you start thinking about some of these things, how God has in the formation of our country the wisdom to figure it out when, I don't know, to my knowledge, it had ever been done. I'm no historian. So get Dr. Sidwell or somebody in to 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 deal with this. But to stop and figure out how do we take all these states and bring them together but yet leave a degree of sovereignty and and let them deal with their own, but we deal with all of them where we need to. And that gets to be hard as well. But that's the difference in them. Now again, you can get variations of these you have most of these governments are going to have some type of what we have as a Congress, even with a king, right? England has their parliament, right? So normally there is a group of people elected out of the people to represent them in some way, some more, some less. Jordan?
2: Yeah, with Moses, Especially Moses, Mhm, Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. You see Moses or Joshua or whoever it is, calling for the princes of the leaders of the various tribes to come together, and we're going to talk about it. Sure. Yeah. Good. Well, and and we and and that's where you know if they talk, but what you see there no is that well. Under that theocracy, God had put Moses as the next in command. Moses then did this, but when they came together, if they couldn't agree, whose call was it? Moses. This is what we're going to do, folks. Now, when Moses was saying that, what you normally would read is, let me tell you what God told me we're going to do. This is what's going to happen and this is how we're going to happen. It was more of a not asking for opinions as much as it was here's what's going to be happening. You are responsible for making sure that your people are ready to do what's going to be done to participate in the way that you need to participate. So, and then of course we uh, we hear the term for a single ruler that's a tyrant is called a dictator, right? Dictator and a king are both single rulers. A king, at least theoretically, is a benevolent ruler. A dictator is a tyrant and is ruling by fear, by threat of loss of life, the king is ruling for the good of his kingdom. Okay? So you've got these forms of government that God, right? Who ordained the dictator? Well, surely God didn't ordain the dictator. I mean, that's not benevolent kind of way. Sure he did. That's where we've got to go back to the truth we know. And then, try to work it out from there, what's going on. I mean, well, let me hold that for, for time. Yes, sir.
1: I guess I... I shouldn't be in position, and yes, we are called to submit to that role, but that doesn't mean that God approves. When you say God ordains it, that I sort of hear it as God approves of that. I think God allows that, but that doesn't mean that it's rightly He's in a position He should be in. Just like our free will could be completely off the tracks, and we don't say, God ordained my free will. We don't allow. It ourselves to uh, our free will to go a certain direction in the same way and that's what the founders of the country said we need to be careful about leaders because they're they're going to go off the tracks so we need to well
0: there's certainly there's certainly the, the thing you've got to be careful with is the personal god didn't god never ordained sin He ordains what comes to pass, notwithstanding sin. Sin, the free will of man, will never, ever thwart the providence of God. It is, in fact, part of the providence of God. God using it to bring glory to his name. While God ordained in the sense this man is ruling because God has allowed him to rule. is not synonymous with God gave him a wicked heart to rule wickedly but notwithstanding his wicked rule i mean we look at look at your old testament god god used ungodly people right to punish his people kill them captivity what not paul maintain some it law is, and order as it, it were. If he has no people to rule you don't have much of a country or a kingdom or whatever.
2: Right. So and then the other
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly, again, you come back to God's sovereign and and just what Charlie was talking about with Pharaoh. And and God raised up Pharaoh to do what? I mean, Pharaoh was born, if you look at it this way, according to Scripture, Pharaoh was born for the sole purpose to bring glory to God through his wickedness, through his hardening of heart. Yes, sir.
1: Daniel chapter four, right? Daniel four uh seventeen um says that this matter is by the decree of the watchers and command by the word, the holy ones to be attempt, so that he may know the most high rules in the kingdom of men, and gives
0: it to whosoever he will, right? And and that's a phrase, especially in the old testament, I love it. There's a phrase That you see over and over and over and over and over. And that is that. Either the world may know. That I am God. Or that my people may know. That I am God. If you watch for that. This happened that they might know. That I am God. I'm going to let them know. That I am the king. And they're. Under me, I will use them, I will raise them up, and I'll put them down as I desire to accomplish my purpose. Now, when we can see, it doesn't relieve man of his responsibilities, and that's where, John, I, the, the, I, you know, well, no, I didn't vote. God's going to put into, no, no. God gives you an obligation, right, depending on the country you're in, and you do what's right. You work for the candidate you believe to be, the one who will rule most righteously, right? Righteously for all, because rulers rule over the ungodly as well as the godly. Fairness and justice ought to extend to the ungodly as much as it extends to the godly. Right? That's tough. That's tough. Because our nature is to react to the ungodly the same way, in some ways, the ungodly acts toward us. How do you deal fairly? Not an easy thing necessarily. All right. Well, our time's gone. Oh, morning gone. Paul, ring a bell. I need to get my little clock back up here. All right. Let's close in prayer. And we'll pick this up again, obviously, next week. Be thinking about it. And fix in your mind, all governments are ordained of God. They serve under him at his pleasure. According to his directives. At least that's what they're held accountable to. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us. Or this is not necessarily an easy thing, but you've addressed it in your word. And so we understand that there's a reason we need to consider these things. Or there are these conflicts, these tensions that exist, especially when we as those of your children uh, are faced with difficulties and maybe even persecutions at the hand of governments that are supposed to be acting for our good. Lord, we pray that you would help us to keep our eyes first and foremost on you, to understand, to pray, and to seek to understand. And Lord, what we don't understand, to just trust you because you do know and understand. So where you don't give us understanding, we're left to our trust and our faith in thee. Lord, we can't go wrong (coughs) if we do that. So help us, be with us in the remainder of this thy day, in the service here. Lord, we pray that you would be pleased and you would help us, Lord, those that are unsaved in our midst, to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, without whom they will perish for all eternity. And Lord, for your people, help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. Be with us, we pray, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.